today when I think about business opportunities, I just weigh the pros and cons quite clearly. I like to dive into the numbers. I like to understand the opportunity. Uh, I like to not get taken by a, a lot of hype that could be happening around a particular idea. Um, and then with that, then I always, always trust my gut instinct because it has served me very, very, very well throughout my life. Welcome to the Sisterhood Club podcast, where we talk all things business, Web3 and NFTs. We're on a mission to educate, elevate and empower women into the world of Web3. So join us on this journey as we learn together from leading experts. And remember, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. So please do your own research and enjoy today's episode. Welcome to the Sisterhood Podcast and episode number two. Very excited today. We have an amazing guest and uh, I'm going to stop talking right there because I know that Pam knows this wonderful woman very well. And uh, Pam, I know you've written a beautiful introduction to today's guest, so I'm going to let you kick off today. Thank you. I have. I'm very excited to have you here today, Rania. Um, Thank so you. Yeah, today, we, um, Rania's got such a great story to share with the world in terms of her life journey so far. So I'm going to give you a quick snapshot without giving too much away. <laughs> um, Rania is a mother, wife, founder, successful entrepreneur many times over. She started her own pharmacy at the age of 24 and grew into a very well-respected multi-million dollar business. She created one of the first ever online pharmacies, heading down an exciting path of e-com, tech and digital. That business was then successfully acquired by Pharmacy for Less, which took her into a huge role in that business to take that into the UK, the US and China markets, growing the business from zero to 60 million in three years. She is now the CEO and founder of Digital Smoothie, which I'm going to let her tell us all about. So I know you're all going to get so many takeaways from this today and finish up feeling really inspired. So Rania. Let's kick into it. My pen. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> Sounds really impressive when you read it like that. <laughs> you are impressive. Um, so yeah, tell tell us where it all started. Ah, uh, gee. Okay. Well, um, I suppose my journey really started uh, in Lebanon, where I was born, where I grew up, uh, where I spent my first eleven years of my life. Because that's definitely shaped my risk taking attitude. Um, I grew up in a war zone, unfortunately for me, and so those first 11 years were spent in survival mode and having experienced uh, quite a bit of uh, hardship. And so when the moment arrived and we flew into Sydney uh, at the age of 11 and I landed in Australia, uh, I just could not believe it. I looked around me, I could just see the beauty of this gorgeous country and I could the first thought in my mind was, gosh, tonight I'm just going to sleep and um, I'm not going to be woken up by the sounds of bullets or bombs. So that, I suppose, if I reflect back, was definitely formative for me because then I developed this attitude of, what's the worst thing that could happen, mm. you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. I've been, <laughs> as a kid, I've been through uh, so much um, that really uh, risk-taking for me, whether it's in business uh, or just, you know, really dreaming big uh, was something that I just didn't scare me. 
And also there was the whole uh, thing of making my parents proud. You know, they sacrificed so much. You know, the usual migrant story, sacrificed so much to come out to this country. Uh, and I just studied very hard. And next thing I knew, I was getting really top marks and um, was studying pharmacy. Uh, so once I finished my pharmacy degree at a young age, I was in my very early 20s, 21, um, I started working in a little medical centre pharmacy in Bankstown in Sydney. Uh, and I think within that first few months, I was saying to the owner of the pharmacy, I want to buy a pharmacy. Um, had nothing, didn't have any money, uh, was living in um, housing commission. Uh, we're quite, you know, we're very, very just uh, a regular life. My, fa- my parents were just, you know, making ends meet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't really know how I was going to make that happen, but I kept saying it. I kept just visualising it, kept telling this woman I want to buy a pharmacy. And uh, true to that, within... Six months of that, she came to me and she said, Rania, do you want to uh, go into a partnership with me here in, in this pharmacy? And I said, well, what's the percentage split? Mm-hmm. And she said, well, 30% for you. I said, no, it needs to be 51. <laughs> <laughs> she laughed. She goes, oh, you couldn't afford it, Rania, and I'm not interested. But hang on, I think there's another opportunity. Um, there is a, a medical center pharmacy that's going to open soon or a medical center and we need a pharmacy in there. Are you interested in doing that particular pharmacy? And I said, yes. And, you know, from that, from that point there really, it involved me just, uh, hustling. Uh, so I started going to all the banks trying to find the money because in the pharmacy world, you always have to buy an existing pharmacy and move it into a space. Uh, and so I found the local pharmacy that I could buy, needed the money, needed about half a million dollars, which I had $5,000 uh, <laughs> to contribute towards. Uh, and I started just uh, knocking on the, the, the doors of the, all the banks and I was turned down over and over again until I got lucky and found me a bank manager who listened, uh, heard my story. Um, you know, it was a really good business plan or business idea. And he said, Rania, I want you to go home um, and write a business plan and come back and show me. And, uh, you know, I was was before the age of Google. There was no Googling what a business plan is. I had no idea what a business plan looked like. (laughs) So I went home and I just literally wrote down on a piece of paper like a little mini P&L that I could, you know, some numbers and uh, and net profit at the end of it and went back to him and he just had a laugh and said, I think I can help you. Um, here's the loan over three years and, you know, go for it. And so to me, that was definitely, uh, it opened all the doors after that mm-hmm. for me uh, from that moment. Mm-hmm. So that's part of my story. Wow. Oh, my God, there's just so many amazing things <laughs> in that. But I guess the first thing that stood out for me was that your your appetite for risk. Mm. And I think that this is what holds so many people back is that, you know, they, they jump straight to the worst case scenario. And it just the fear comes in and then it's like all the things that could go wrong and they go, nope, they shut it down before they even had a chance, before they even tried. Yeah. So there's a lot of women and, and, and men that would be listening to this podcast right now that maybe have an idea in their mind. Maybe they, you know, they want to start that business or they want to take some kind of leap of faith and start something. How do you go about thinking about risk and thinking about like ideas that come to you? What Do you have a process of like weighing things up? Because you know, it's really interesting where you are in your life right now. Like you could 
you could retire, you could go and sit on a beach somewhere, you could just go and like, you know, but you are now about to start another business. So mm. how do you think about risk? How do you think about taking these leaps, you know, and, and just trusting yourself, I guess? Yeah, it's a really good question because mm. definitely a risk appetite changes throughout your life journey. So obviously that story that I just shared, I was young, I literally had nothing to lose Mm -hmm. uh, and everything to gain. And Mm -hmm. so definitely the risk there was, um, for me, my appetite was a lot higher. Mm -hmm. Now in my 40s, I've kind of worked very hard and and built my life. I think about risk a bit differently because I have to take into consideration other people in my life. I've got a wife and I've got a daughter and it's not just Rania anymore. So for me today, when I think about business opportunities, I just weigh the pros and cons quite Mm. clearly. I like to dive into the numbers. I like to understand the opportunity. Mm. Uh, I like to not get taken by a a lot of hype that could be happening around a particular idea. Mm. Um, And then with that, then I always, always trust my gut instinct Mm -hmm. because it has served me very, very, very well throughout my life. So Mm -hmm. I then rely on that. If something doesn't feel right, feels off, um, Mm -hmm. then usually I just don't go with it. Yeah, perfect. And I think that intuition, like that's something that we don't tap into enough. And it's almost like dismissed in the business world a little Mm -hmm. bit. You know, it's like very much like, okay, how much money is this going to make? And what's the profit going to be? And what's the, you know, it's very much more analytical, but actually we are emotional beings. Yeah. And when you're starting a business, you know, you mentioned the word hustle right there's hours there's like you know every day is different and some days you're going to be working like 12 14 hour days to get this idea off the ground so you do need to have a level of passion in in the business I personally believe but what, what's what's your view on that because a lot of people you know there's this lot of thing, thing people say I'll oh, follow your dreams go after your passions but you know where where do you sort of sit with that because I know that like some people come up with ideas that maybe don't they don't feel super excited by do you think that's do you think it's important to feel really passionate about the business that you're about to start or do you think that you could start something that you're not that passionate about but still make it a success like what's your sort of take on that oh I my experience is you have to be very energized Mm -hmm. by the idea and very passionate about it because it's a lot of hard work and so if if uh, from the outset you're not excited about this business idea you're trying to to grow and you're not energized just by thinking about it Mm. you're not you know in the middle of the night just thinking of more ideas coming through to you and maybe quickly writing them down and Mm. that's it's that whole feeling of just I can't really describe it that energy that something really good Mm. and nice is going to happen Mm. I think if you're coming off a base of you know, yeah, I can do it. Might make me a lot of money. Sounds seems like a good idea. I think mm-hmm. of, that's really not a great starting point mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. as you get more into it and as you put more hours, maybe you won't even put the necessary hours yeah. if you're coming off that base. Mm-hmm. It's just going to drain you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think we can. Yeah, you know, we've we've had a few ideas in our time of people approach us about ideas, and Pam and I sort of looked at each other and gone. Oh, does this excite us? So yeah. gone, yeah. no. No. Yeah. So. Because we, we know what it takes to get a business off yeah. the ground. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're not just talking about a 37 and a half hour week. Yeah. Oh, it consumes you. completely consumes you and you need to be ready for that. Um, I would love to move on to how you got into the online pharmacy idea. Mm. Um, and So let, let's kick off with that journey. So you went from like bricks and mortar. Yep. When did that idea come to you? Talk, talk us through that. So uh, so it's a funny story. I was literally um, in my pharmacy for two years. So at that point, I was 24. 
and um, being a true Gemini, I was starting to get like, yeah, you know, I like this dispensing business. <laughs> I like this uh, <laughs> pharmacy world. I love the customer, the patient interactions. Actually, that's what I love about pharmacy. But, you know, I'm ready for more and the internet was just starting to happen. So that's uh, 2001. Wow. My age is really showing now. So, uh, and literally one day as I was dispensing, um, a leaflet dropped on my bench, my dispensary bench of, uh, you know, build the website for $500, one of those leaflets. Um, and I thought, oh, I've been thinking about doing that. And, uh, you know, I just maybe I need a web page for this pharmacy and, and see how it goes. So that's literally the start of me asking the question of what is this online world? And then from that point, point quickly realized that it needs to move on to a full-blown e-commerce website Mm -hmm. um, and went down the path of building one of the very first online pharmacies in Australia. I think there was only um, Pharmacy Direct by then and Pharmacy Online. So Chemist Warehouse wasn't even around back then yet. And uh, so, you know, built your chemist shop um, and I was doing it out of my physical pharmacy, which was a medical center pharmacy. So it's a very small um, area. And from there, we were packing orders. You know, mm-hmm. we got our first order. We start packing the order, maybe two orders a day. Um, and then one night I was um, working in the pharmacy and I got a call from a current affairs. Mm-hmm. And they said, we love what you're doing online. And so <laughs> can we come and interview you? I'm like, uh, well, it's a really small pharmacy. There's no warehouse here. Like, it's just me and my pharmacy assistant. And that's fine. We love it. We yeah. still want to come. And next thing I know, they all arrived. There wow. was like 15 people in the store and they were filming a segment on the business. Uh, and again, you know, this is the whole thing around, oh, what's the worst thing that could happen? Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Um, and I remember the producer, as she left, she said, keep an eye on your analytics tonight when, when the show airs. And mm. true to her word, when they aired, we went, we started really growing fast. Oh, wow. Um, but, you know, that, that definitely put us on the map. Mm-hmm. But then very soon after that, uh, and then, you know, another risk-taking moment, mm-hmm. uh, I was at home and I was watching a, a Today, Today Tonight show or something like that, and they featured a weight loss powder product. Mm-hmm. It's like a um, – it's called Isoway. It's like a mm-hmm. powder you drink. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that's an interesting product. Is anyone selling it online? So I, I was literally watching the show and mm-hmm. I had my laptop in front of me and I – search for it and no one was selling it online. All I could find was a manufacturer. It wasn't being sold online. It's interesting. I'm just going to list it right now. Mm. So I listed it on our website, ran some Google ads for it, and it just exploded that wow. night. So I didn't have the stock. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't have any kind of relationship with a manufacturer other than I knew they were literally next door to the pharmacy almost. And I just kept feeding the Google ads monster. And I think I spent about 10 grand on ads that night and, but literally hundreds of thousands of dollars overnight in a, in a 12 hour period. So I woke up in a bit of a panic (laughs) (laughs) and uh, I raced to the manufacturer's (laughs) office and managed to do a deal called all my friends and family with their cars, loaded (laughs) product into their cars took it back to the medical center into an empty room and literally started packing hundreds of orders a day. Amazing. And then from that moment, we we moved into larger premises and that kind of just the next 
phase of growth. So, yeah. That's, Crazy risk. Yeah, but that, that there's a pattern there. You kept on <laughs> saying yes. You kept on, you know, like thinking about new ways. You were innovative. You saw the opportunity in Web2. The internet was coming and you just you just went for it. And, and I love your attitude of what's the worst that could happen? You know, I just feel like that's such a good question to ask. Like, yeah. you know, just, just go for it. Why not? I think like that is that's almost the attitude you've got to have sometimes in business of just like, let's just go. I just think that's such a powerful story. So... So you went from doing starting that business, growing it, it became a huge success, and then you you sold it. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about how that sort of came about. Yeah, so I'd had the online for just under eight or seven years. Um, and then I was approached by the Pharmacy for Less um, guys. They were looking to start up their own online business. They wanted to acquire us and get me and my team to build that uh, business. Look, I was at a crossroad in that point of my life. Uh, seven years was a long time for me in a single space. And I li- literally needed either more funding to, again, blow it up internationally or be acquired and then help someone else do that. And I felt ready to just let go of the baby. I think the excitement had worn off. Um, And so the acquisition happened and uh, that was really exciting. They were great. Uh, They took the entire team across and we built their their online strategy from scratch, uh, which also included launching them into China. Um, And that was a a really, really incredible journey. Uh, Lots of learning. um, Again, lots of risk taking, uh, but very much worthwhile. Mm -hmm. Amazing. So did you have a a break after that? Was it always just like, right, what's next? (laughs) That's huge. Like you sell your business. Did you feel... Did you feel a bit empty? Did you feel a bit like, bit? I don't know, how did you feel? Because it would have been like you've worked so hard to get to that point and all of a sudden what's next like what was next I after suppose, that yeah look <laughs> you're making me reflect now because <laughs> I've just realized that I never have one thing at a time uh, I usually always have a couple of things kind of happening so with the sale to pharmacy for less and becoming their e-commerce director and head of IT within that role I was able to also uh, build out their internal what well, they refer to as marketing hub so it was a, a cloud hub platform that ran all of their entire marketing activities and there's quite a bit of uh, you know digital work involved so again it gave me a lot of experience in that space and I was doing consulting for other brands around digital transformation around e-commerce and and so kind of dabbling in that and part of that then I um, came across Smart Asset which is the asset management company that then I became CEO of and um part owner in Um, and so that opportunity came up just as I was starting to get ready to leave pharmacy for less about four three or four years into the role Um, and so no I didn't take a break is is the answer to that no I did not take a break I just kind of moved moved to Victoria um, and then started the uh, smart asset role Mm. Can I can I just step back a sec just to talk about the the acquisition and um, you know you having that light bulb moment if I want to scale this globally I'm either going to need to be acquired or or go down, down the route of, of funding and I think a lot of women that are actually going to be engaging in this podcast um, are potentially at that point in their businesses where you know they're at that bit of a crossroads they're involved in taking digital and and that takes money yeah. right it's not a cheap thing oh, to yeah. do um, but we know. You know, the stats around VC investment for female-led businesses mm. are 
diabolical um, and it also took a sharp decline throughout COVID as if we weren't starting off from, you know, an already dire position. Um, so could you sort of share a little bit about how did, did it just come into come into your hands and you thought, right, let's roll with this? Or did you proactively go out and, and seek some funding or seek um, mm. an acquisition partner for the business? Yeah, I suppose uh, for me, I was lucky that they came to me and they tried a couple of times. Um, I wasn't ready the first time we had the conversations. So that that was, I suppose, it's always a better position if they come to you, right? Because you've got the power to negotiate and mm-hmm. it happens on your terms. Um, again, also knowing when it's time, it's really critical because as entrepreneurs, you could easily stifle the baby, the business and really hang on to it too much and not let go um so knowing when it when you've done all you can and you've uh, exceeded all your skills and now you need to either step away or help someone else help you is really critical as well in the journey um having to go out and seek funding is cutthroat so you need to definitely align yourself with uh other people that can help and there's quite a bit in, in and I think you'll be interviewing one of them next uh, next week but there's a lot of women in the space uh, that are devoted to this mission now because of those stats so they want to help other incredible women get the right funding and get the right deal because not just the money you 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 know what are you signing off to get this money. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. critical, right? Exactly. Um, so that's uh, there's, there's quite a bit of a movement that I'm really, really excited about mm-hmm. uh, just to help female entrepreneurs do exactly mm-hmm. that. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've got a question because I've, I've been thinking about this a lot. I'm reflecting on this a lot as well. It's like, wh- why do you think it is more challenging for women to get funded and, and, and even start businesses? Because I was reading the stats the other day, only 3% of female-led businesses grow to seven figures. Three percent, like mm. in your like, uh, in your opinion, right? Because obviously we, we don't, we're never going to know the mm. true facts. But what w- what do you? Why do you think that is? I think it's two two things in my view. Mm. One, uh, a lot of women purposely hold themselves back mm. and not not put themselves forward as frequently as the male counterpart. So I think it's it's it, you could easily get into this space of I need to be just a little bit better. I need to do just this extra thing. I need, whereas I see male counterparts with just a piece of paper and a little PowerPoint and then just hustling and selling the world and then dealing with things later. So I think there there is that, but also it's it's a it's a boys club. You know VCs, PE. Like it's it's a real boys club at the moment. Well historically and slowly changing um and so the combination of both if you if to every woman you've got 10 men you know pitching then straight away the ratios ask you so we need more women to pitch and then we need to change the culture within the vcs yeah as well and so both of your mothers mm. and you know i champion you both because i think it's one of the hardest things that you know you can do raise raise a, a living being do you think it starts at childhood for females? Do you think that, you know, and I'd love to get actually both of your thoughts on this, like 
how how can we change this? How can we bring up a generation of females that, you know, don't have this attitude of like, I've got to be perfect or, you know, I'm a bit more insecure or like, you know, why, why me? Like, how can we raise females with this same attitude to be like, if I want something, I'm going to go and get it. Mm. Right. How how where does that start? Where does that belief? Where is that programming? Because it is a program. Where does it start and how can we change it? Oh, boy, it starts very early. (laughs) Gosh, it starts very early. And it's only Mm. until I became a mum to a girl that I realised all of the subtle messaging around her with very well-meaning people. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just constant, right? And as a parent, you really have to be aware of those messaging. Mm. And I'll give you very, very simple examples. You know, walk into a store to buy... Uh, bed sheets for my daughter mm-hmm. and I ask the um, the lady to help me and she the first question she says is she a boy or a girl is is your child a boy or a girl and I thought well that's really unusual for bed sheets does it matter mm-hmm. and she said well here's the girl section and he's here's the boy section and in the girl section it's all the fluffy mm-hmm. you know you know flowers and Mm. pink and Mm -hmm. the boy section is all the really interesting stuff you know Mm -hmm. the bed sheet cover with all of the ocean creatures and their names embroidered under them the dolphin the whale the fish and really very educational on the boy's Mm -hmm. side and on the girl's side it's really very fluffy and pretty and cute Mm. so needless to say I've got the blue stuff yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. yes, but that's I got the pink. But you know, and, and I suppose for me, a, a, a young being a young gay person, not I didn't know I was gay when I was little, uh, when I was mm. you know in my younger years, but I constantly wanted the the track suits that my brothers were able to buy from mm. that particular section, and I felt weird wanting that. And I think with that then also becomes this whole messaging of you're only supposed to do certain things and act in certain ways. Mm. And then, you know, you, you dress them up, you, people come over and the first thing they tell say to your daughter is, oh, look how cute you are, look how mm. beautiful you are. And it's always about her looks. Yes. Mm. And then it's just subtle, but it's yes. constant. Yeah. And so as a parent, you have to always say, you know, I love how brave you are. I love how yeah. strong you, lo- you, you yeah. are. I love that risk you've taken there yeah. and, and kind of balance the conversations. Yeah. But it's everywhere. Mm. Yeah. And <laughs> I, um, I, let's take it on to school. Yeah. Um, and I think that's like a really powerful message as well. Teachers are phenomenal. But I think very much we do try to put kids into certain boxes. Um, and interestingly, I'd heard, I read something just about the differences between um, young boys and girls in the classroom. And it's almost like boys are called naughty um, for, or they're naughty boys because they speak out, they speak up, they interrupt the teacher. And girls are constantly told, you're a good girl. That's, That's right. Not, you're mm. a good girl. So you're a good girl. It's that messaging, yeah. It's that messaging. Whereas I actually mm. think the art of learning to interrupt is actually. A really powerful Incredible. tool because if you're sitting around a boardroom full of male VCs, you bet your bottom dollar you have got to bat in. Absolutely. You, <laughs> you have no voice. Oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's just so ingrained in our society and I think that I think that's one thing that, you know, I want to just say that my mum did very well. Like she she never put herself down in front of me. She never looked in the mirror and looked at herself and gone, Oh, I don't feel nice today. Mm. She she was somebody that was she always just 
I don't know, had this air of confidence about her. And I watched her as mm. a very young girl. When I watched how she behaved, I watched how she was around men. She would never, like walk into a room and you know shy or like she would just flick her hair and walk into that room like she owned it and I watched her and I think yep. I've learnt a lot from her behaviour so I think as as mothers it's also being so aware because we're constantly put these messaging that's like oh as a woman like you can't age and you've got to look this certain way and you've got to dress like this and it's just messaging everywhere yep. and I think it's just being consciously aware as women and also you know looking at our younger generation if we like change starts from such a young age and I just would love to see this this next generation mm. coming up that have the confidence and have the mm. the, the, the appetite for risk that it's mm. going to take to have a seat at the table and, you know, go after your dreams. So I think it's a really mm. important conversation, which is why I wanted to, to bring it up. So mm. thank you both for just sharing that. <laughs> Rob, thank you um, for asking. Like, yeah. Just to nicely lead on, lead on to, I think, a, a lot of women and younger girls um, are actually really scared of making mistakes mm -hmm. um, and failing. It's embarrassing, you know, they don't feel good enough, you get that imposter syndrome. Um, so could you sort of share with us maybe a few mistakes that you've made along the way in your career or <laughs> anything you would class as a failure um, and just maybe talk us through, through that? Oh, wow. Yeah, well, yeah, there's definitely been mistakes. Um, my first biggest mistake was taking so long to come out. Mm. As a gay woman, mm -hmm. um, I came out in my mid to late 30s. I'm 45. Wow. End of May. Right. So I didn't know this. There you go. There we go. <laughs> right. And I literally only came out so that um, I don't lose my current wife, mm -hmm. Clarissa, because mm -hmm. I knew that that particular relationship and her, uh, she was just not going to have it me being in the closet and living mm -hmm. a double life. But until that, that time, um, I was in the closet uh, with all my family. Um, mm. I would, uh, you know, go and have lunch with my parents and my brothers uh, pretending to be someone who I'm not wow. and then go back to my house um, and try and, and live a different life. And that's just exhausting. Yeah. Mentally, that must have been. Yeah. So turmoil. absolutely. Yeah. So I think if I had any regrets, especially now that I've come into my, someone's asking, you know, you're living your authentic life. And I'm like, mm. do you know how long it takes to actually <laughs> get to your authentic, yeah. you know, <laughs> whatever you are, like authentic life yeah. takes a long time. Um, mm. But I wish, I wish I'd done it. I wish I was more brave. Yeah. Uh, and I think if I was to reflect, I was definitely taking all the risk in my business world and um, being mm. brave in that part of my life in a way to make my parents really proud because I was ashamed of who I was as a oh. gay kid, as a gay woman. Yeah. And so I was constantly, you know, doing all these incredible things and they loved that. They mm. loved that. They would talk about it to their friends. They would show off mm. about it. And I loved all of that. Mm. And then I got to a point where I thought, well, I'm just going to have to let them down and they need to just hear who I really am. And mm -hmm. and that's been quite a, re, a very rough journey for me. So it mm -hmm. hasn't been great. I've lost a few family members in the process oh. and hence why we moved here away from Sydney. Um, but that to me is my only biggest regret and mm -hmm. probably the biggest mistake of my life is waiting so long. Mm. Yeah, wow. And you just, it, was it your your partner that was like, you've just got to do this? Like, did she sort of give you the the push of the strength that you needed? Or like, was it just something that you just woke up one day and was like, you know, I've just, 
I love myself enough now to like this is who I am and I just want to just speak my truth like yeah was it a bit of a journey or was it just um you if you love someone you can never push them out of the closet it's Mm. because it's a very personal journey so Clarissa never ever um asked for it or even you know put any pressure but with me and Clarissa it was just passionate, strong, eternal mm-hmm. love. We knew yeah. straight away that we were meant to be together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just couldn't do it to her, couldn't couldn't put her through that. And the other thing that happened as well with Clarissa is we were uh, such a uh, first woman she's ever been with is myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just started seeing each other a month into the relationship and she said, right, I'm going home to Melbourne because she lived in Melbourne. She said, I'm going home to Melbourne. I need to talk to my parents and let them know about this. And I'm like, Oh, hang on a minute. <laughs> yeah. Slow I'm, down. I've been in the closet for like 20 years. What yeah. do you mean? You've just been in this for a month. And yeah. she just looked at me and she said, Rani, I can't lie to my parents. Yeah. And they'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that just was like, uh, mm-hmm. it's like she uh, she modeled to me mm. what a healthy family relationship and unconditional love looks like. Yeah. Mm. And she true to her word she went home she mm-hmm. spoke to her family they were amazing and then she felt amazing herself because she didn't yeah. have to lie to them anymore and so mm. that was a trigger in yeah. that hang on this is something's mm. really not mm. right in how I'm managing this yeah. and I mm. need to do better yeah mm. well absolutely like you know fair play to you for doing it and like you know there will be some women listening to that that will be able to relate to, to that I'm sure and hopefully it gives them the strength to to do what you did and to just you know, to own it and just to be like, you know what, like, this is my life. And, you know, I've got to, I've just got to speak up and find my voice. And, and I love the way you said, you know, you're taking all your risks in business. So it was just like, that was your, that almost became your identity. And then it's like, you know, this other life that you were living. And, but now, now you've sort of blended it all. You're this successful businesswoman, entrepreneur, you know who you are, you know, you're, you're in love and you're living this amazing life now. And you seem extremely happy which it just shows that you know when you put yourself out of your comfort zone and you 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 do step up into your true self amazing things happen absolutely and we've just got to as women and even as men as everybody's human beings we've we've got to live lives for ourselves we can't live lives for others because i mean i've I read a book and it changed my life it's called the five regrets of the dying and the biggest regret in that book was i wish i lived a life that was true to me mm. So good on you because mm. there's nothing worse than getting to the end and looking back and going, wow, what was it all for and did I live up to Absolutely. my true potential? And I think you are walking, talking example of somebody who is. So, you know, you're Thank an absolute you. inspiration. Thank you. Um, so let's talk now, I guess, the where you are now in your life. Like, you know, Digital Smoothie is going to be this, I'm sure, phenomenal business and, you know, it's going to be extremely aligned. So where's that at? Where do you want to take that? And, yeah, tell us a little bit about that next business venture. Oh, well, Digital Smoothie has been a, a little bit of a brainchild for a, a little while. I just have never given it the energy it deserves um, because my second company was acquired and part of that acquisition, I landed in a corporate role for the last couple of years that sucked my soul. <laughs> uh, but we'll leave that alone. <laughs> and so when that finished up, my... my uh, gut or my, my knee-jerk reaction was I need to get back into another corporate role. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just didn't feel right. So back mm-hmm. to that gut instinct. Yeah. It just didn't feel right. And then this thing, this digital smoothie was always there saying, hello, yeah. I'm here. And the more I thought about it and the more I spoke to people about it, the more energized and excited 
I felt. And then opportunities started pouring into it. And life does this to me, you know, it mm. just uh, constantly, if I put it out there, I feel like life delivers. Mm. And so opportunities started arriving. And Digital Smoothie is a boutique digital, digital transformation agency. We work with select clients. Mm-hmm. Um, on digital transformation strategy right through to execution. And Mm -hmm. by select, we mean, you know, usually we prefer to work with companies that have a purpose, mm-hmm. uh, are trying to do good in mm-hmm. the world, whether in, whether it's within their local communities or within their teams and culture or the planet. Um, and I have an exceptional, um, incredible team of smoothies, <laughs> uh, each with their own flavour if you go to their profiles and read. <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're incredible women. They've got incredible experiences um, and they all are passionate about doing projects that are exactly that, you know, mm. that, to helping organisations deliver digital transformation. And for us, digital transformation is not about the technology. Mm-hmm. It's although, you know, 10, 20% of it is about selecting the right technology and implementing it. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is about the people. Yeah. And so really um, delivering projects that focus on the people and their journey and empowering them mm-hmm. so that we're using, we're using technology for good. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's what energises me and that's what I get excited about when I think about Digital Smoothie. Awesome. And... So that just sounds like exactly what the world needs right now, where we're just almost going through this transition between like going into Web 2 into Web 3. And I love to sort of like, you know, pick your brain about what, what you sort of see the future. Do you, you know, if you've got any Web 3 strategies with Digital Smoothie? And obviously, I know we've spoken to you about the sisterhood and we're super passionate about that. And obviously, we're going to be picking your brains mm-hmm. about that. So. Absolutely. <laughs> I'd love to. Yeah. Advisor. Yeah. Advisor. Would you like to be But yeah, like, well, I guess where do you? Where do you sort of see Web3 fitting in? Do you think it's the future? Have you got any thoughts and views on on what's to come? Yeah. Um, I, you know, having been lucky enough to be kind of at the start of uh, the internet mm. e-commerce, I, I'm seeing very similar um, traits happening with Web3.0. Mm-hmm. One, there's a lot of hype. There's a lot of information. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of risk taking. There mm-hmm. is So there's quite, it's still very, um, uh, it's bubbling away. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely here to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, my views are do a lot of research, do a lot of reading, mm-hmm. Um Definitely do some investments in that space. So, yeah, in Digital Smoothie, uh, I've got one particular smoothie who's very passionate about all of that, Liza. Mm -hmm. Um, And we want to incorporate Web 3.0 strategies as part of uh, how we deliver projects, whether it's smart contracts, um, Mm -hmm. whether it's NFTs, whether Mm -hmm. it's crypto. So it's it's kind of we're still um, talking about all of these ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, But my advice would be because back then, uh, you know, we had the big, bust of the internet stocks because people were very excited about them. Anything that had internet, people Mm -hmm. threw their money in and really overvalued everything and then we had the bust. Didn't go away, obviously. It stabilised and then here we are. So I think just be careful with Mm -hmm. a similar type of, um, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, movements in the Web 3.0 space. Mm -hmm. And if you had money to invest, make sure it's money that you don't need, Mm -hmm. uh, that you just want to play around with. Um, And then, yeah, 
sit back and enjoy the ride because it's going to be exciting. Yeah. And how lucky are we to, you know, I get know. to be able to enjoy both. I mean, I got to see the e-commerce yeah. uh, rise and now I get to see this again. Yeah, yeah. what a phenomenal journey. Um, Incredible. It's such a historical time. Um, and to be able to experience both in a lifetime mm. is, yeah. is huge. I think we were still just maybe just a little bit too young. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah. yeah, we missed <laughs> <laughs> losing the one hour. Yeah. I don't know what was going on. Yeah. <laughs> too busy making radio stations with my girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fantastic. Um, well, listen, thank you so much for sharing your really inspiring life story and journey. Mm-hmm. There's just like so, there's so much wonderful stuff in there. Um, and also, thank you so much for being vulnerable mm. um, enough to share some personal stories in there yeah. as well I think that it's just such a powerful message Rania and thank you so much for being on our podcast today incredible thanks for having me ladies yeah. and go the sisterhood yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's it and this is what it's all about sharing stories inspiring collaborating and you know it's inspiring women to step up into their true potential which I think you are like I said a walking talking example of that so thank you so much for everyone who has listened today and we will see you on the next episode Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really hope that you enjoyed it. And if you did, please give a little share on your social. And if you have time, please leave a review. And I hope to see you next time. Take care.